90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Oh, I'm deep in the midterm slump, man. Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, I'm not. Um, it's, it's Well, I am and I'm not. I have to give a test, and that's always stinky. But uh, we just got back from sampling an impact crater in Indiana, and that was so much fun. I haven't been out in the field for sampling in a while, so it was real cool. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, Kentland Impact Crater. The crappy part was I had your luck with the airlines for sure. Our plane just oh no yeah just didn't show up, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so that's always fun when your plane disappears. And uh, yeah, they told us it was going to be five hours, and so the student and I were wandering the um, halls of Midway Airport in Chicago, and all of a sudden we look up. We were only two hours into our delay, and our our flight is boarding. <laughs> <laughs> I was the last person on the plane. It was real exciting. I bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we got a lot of real cool rocks. Um, the Kitland Impact Structures is a big um, impact crater in Indiana. And you think, there are no rocks in Indiana. Well, correct. We had to go into a quarry. But I saw some of the biggest and best shatter cones I've ever seen in my life. Oh, wow. I mean, I like desk size chunks of shatter cones. That's huge. Yes, speechless. <laughs> That's right. You're speechless. <laughs> they were real beautiful. So it was worth it was worth all the uh, airline troubles to uh, to get to see that. Yeah, and you, did you get lots of samples or? Yeah, we sure did. Um, <laughs> it was real good because uh, the quarry guy was real excited about using our modified chainsaw because most people are, and so he did most of the drilling. But then for a long time, he couldn't get it started, and he'd have to hand it to me to get the drill started, which just made me feel real important. So, because <laughs> this guy couldn't start this chainsaw, takes the magic touch sometimes. <laughs> exactly, and he'd just hand it to me, and I'd start it up, and he'd go go back to drill, and it was real great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was good. How about you? What have you been up to? I'm mostly trying to stay warm. As we're recording this, which is a couple days before release, it's currently snowing. I'm uh, so jealous. Like, I can't even... I know you want me to feel sorry for you, but I can't. Like, I'm real excited about that. <laughs> no, I, I'm ready to not be mowing and all of those wonderful things. Uh, so, yeah, it's good. It's a little bit earlier than expected, uh, but definitely kudos to one of my coworkers who about three weeks ago said, mark my words, October 10th will be the first snow. <gasps> And it is. Uh, <laughs> a three-week-old verified forecast? That's impressive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Wow. That person's going to be walking around with their chest all puffed out for a while. <laughs> and they get some free beers, so. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, put money on it. Nice. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yep, mostly doing that and uh, trying to finish up. Uh, tilt meters and tilt meter loggers that are going to the field. They're going to Antarctica. That's exciting. Uh, yeah. So that'll be fun. I've got uh, the folks that bought them coming down in about a month to get training mm-hmm. and then take them back. Well, you It's can a little, little terrifying. You can, <laughs> you can at least stick them outside and get some, you know, real, real weather type uh, training for them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting, uh, mm-hmm. partially also because I took the the loggers and about two weeks ago now decided that I was not going to use the microcontroller's proprietary little language and burned all of the firmware to the ground <gasps> and started again in C++. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, it's not, that's not scary at all. Mm-mm. Yeah, so unfortunately, I don't have quite as much testing time as I would like before these deploy, but I'm dealing with a pretty technically savvy customer here who has no problem if I say, here's a firmware update, please install it. Ah, that's always nice. Uh, so it'll it'll be a little bit of iteration until probably after this first field season when we see what breaks in weird ways. Mm-hmm. Well, that's always, uh, that's always really exciting, though. I mean, you know they work, so fingers crossed seals don't eat them or something (laughs) yeah and at some point we're gonna have to talk about calibrations and transfer standards because i've gone really far down the calibration rabbit hole (laughs) and 
Yeah, right. calibration's expensive and hard. Mm, we have to stick copper pennies in our scanning electron microscope every once in a while, so I, under- <laughs> I understand what you mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's uh, that's sort of been the story of my recent is fighting various uh, pieces of technology, including at a workshop that I just taught last week. Uh, yeah, where were you at? I was at San Jose State University. Oh, well, that's nice and sunny, yeah. It was. Uh, we had <laughs> we had folks from the university. We had folks from the Naval Research Lab in Monterey. We had three different weather service offices represented. Wow! Uh, with their SUS attending, uh, SUS are science and operation are science and operations officers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's it. S O O S, not S U E S. Right. Uh, so it was it was a really good mix of folks but we did encounter some challenges so i thought for this show since last week we talked a little bit about your software carpentry workshop experience Mm -hmm. that we would answer a frequent piece of listener mail that i've gotten in the past few months which was can you tell us how your journey to windows has gone (laughs) and can shannon tell us how her journey to mac has gone (laughs) since you all switched places and talk a little bit about you know, I always say with Python, things just work, and it's easy. Yes, you and do. <laughs> last week was an example of where that completely fell apart due to a terrible set of circumstances. <laughs> oh, no. Um, you're definitely going to be able to talk more technically about your challenges, but I can talk on the, you know, not power user side of using my Mac. And I have some really terrible biases, I guess you could say, against Windows right now, which probably doesn't have anything to do with Windows, and it has everything to do with my stupid little Dell computer. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know how I'm going to approach this, because I'll tell you right now, I'm real angry. (laughs) Real angry. (laughs) So, okay, we'll flip that on its head a little bit then. How do you like the Mac? More than I want to admit. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I want to, you know, I'm a Gen Xer man. I want to rail against the man. I don't I don't want to be told what my computer is going to look like on the inside. Not that I've ever opened up a computer and messed with it. But <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to be beholden to the Apple system, but it is real slick. <laughs> yeah, if you if you drink the Kool-Aid completely, uh, the whole <laughs> ecosystem works together really nicely. I will definitely admit that. I know. And that's what I have a colleague here who he totally, he's like, nope, I'm doing it. And he just shot the Kool-Aid. Like it was, <laughs> it was not like a slow sip for, you know, months or anything. He's like, nope, I'm all in. And it's like, he always looks real put together. I guess it's a byproduct of using a Mac. But like, so you I, know I was impressed this particular, uh, colleague of yours was demonstrating which is funny because i used to be the the mac proponent (laughs) and uh, this person was a windows person at the time and he was demonstrating to me this uh, conversion that he's had and i was absolutely blown away because he pulled up his phone and said hey person uh trying not to trigger anybody's phones (laughs) they're sitting (laughs) near their their speakers right now uh but Ahoy Telephone, find pictures of John Lehman. And it found pictures in his photo library from when I was taking a class. And we were on a trip in 2011, I believe. That's creepy. <laughs> I was absolutely floored. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, it's good because it means you haven't, you know, changed your looks that much, right? Yes. <laughs> so that's good. I've just looked old forever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you said it, not me. Um, yeah, that's real creepy. But also, how useful is that? Because it's like, what if he was sitting there making some poster and needed a picture of you and just said that? And there it is. You don't even have to spend two hours or, you know, emailing you and waiting for a response, which... From you, it would be real fast, but for me, it'd be days. So, you know, well, and that you know, it's trained and optimized to do things like people or objects. But I was thinking, wow, if there was a use case, if somebody could convince Apple that it was a good business case to make a machine learning identification algorithm for different kinds of rock, 
you could say, Ahoy Telephone, show me pictures of sandstone from southern Oklahoma. Oh, that'd be fancy. Yeah, it would be really neat. That would be really cool. But there was an episode of... Oh, good. It doesn't seem like that's a far reach from asking for pictures of people, right? I mean, as long as somebody has, like, a picture that's tagged, you could at least do that now. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a matter of training, which... right. Apple is not going to invest the money and developer time into That's training true. That's true. for rocks. But <laughs> this is how they want you to interact with their ecosystem. And I'll link in the show notes, episode 393 of the Back to Work podcast, Okay. which I really enjoy. Uh, it's a very conversational podcast. It is called Legacy Meat Stuff. <laughs> okay. And it's them talking about how Apple wants to dictate how you interact with their hardware. Right. See, that's that's what I want to fight against. I just feel like I am I'm not the kind of person wants to be told what to do like that. Right. That's why I'm a professor and it's 1030 in the morning that I'm recording this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But also when you sit down with it. Once you get past some initial, if you've grown up in a Windows environment, you know, once you get past some initial, like, where is this button, it's real slick. And, like, asking you stuff, like, okay, well, I just use Finder all the time, and I thought maybe I'm not doing it right. And you're like, no, that's what I do, too. You know, I never, like, go to my programs list to find stuff. I just open Finder, and I'm like, all right, Finder, open Word, you know. And it's amazing. Yeah. So I, uh, my phone is on the way out. It's, you know, three years old, so it's ancient. And um, I'm really, I don't know. I'm an Android user, but I don't know. Maybe this next time I'm not. Yeah. (laughs) As far as mobile, I will probably not be switching in the foreseeable future. Mm The iPhone, iPad ecosystem is in my opinion, hands down the best out there. All right. But I have some disagreements with the way the computer market's going. Okay. Hence why I switched. Uh, Really also, if you're looking at smartphone alternatives, to me it's, yes, there are a few hundred dollars difference maybe between an Android and an iPhone, but a few hundred dollars on a thousand dollar phone is... Yeah not relevant so Mm -hmm. yeah that's true um i didn't think because i still i'm still a paper planner person and i'm not that's not going away anytime soon but also i don't know that's sort of what i'm worried that i'm missing because i kind of switch back and forth i usually leave my mac at my home and it's sort of the home computer and then i have my pc up here and i haven't run into too many problems um you know, going back and forth through Dropbox and stuff. So that's not really that big a deal. But also, I don't know. Would it be better if I went all one way or the other? Mm. You know, I mean, the integration is really nice. Um, mm-hmm. I miss, for example, having messages where I can send text messages through my iPhone on my Mac. That capability does not exist on Windows. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. So you can send me a text message, and I can pull a link out of the browser on my Mac, paste it into this program and type a paragraph of text and send it to you before I could do that on the iPhone. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. See, see, there's so much that I don't know about it because I've never been in this Mac environment. I have a friend, well, we have a mutual friend who is very anti windows right now. And it's like, she's got a whole bunch of windows stuff. She even has a windows phone and she asked how I liked my Mac and I said I thought that she would love it. You know, she's kind of techy. And I said, it's real pretty. Like, you just can't get away from it. Right. It's superficial, <laughs> but it is. Like, it's just real pretty. And, and that's real appealing. Oh, yeah. And I will say, when I'm carrying my MacBook Pro from work around, Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I have to handle it with kid gloves as much as I do my PC. Wow, really? Just physically? Just physically. Hmm. It's aluminum. Yeah. I can dent it. That's true. But it doesn't break. And so my last Lenovo um, box 
it broke because of me carrying it around. Like, it's in the padded sleeve within my, like, Patagonia shoulder bag. But I never, because it was so big, I never bought a case for it. And it, it physically broke because it, you know, I'd hit a, hit a door jam or something like that. And so that was really disappointing because I felt like it did not live as long as it should have. And it was just simply from that. And it's like I never dropped the computer itself or ever, like, bumped the computer itself. It was always within its bag. But I never thought about that not happening to this Mac since it's aluminum. It's aluminum. The hinges are hidden. I mean, I've... My advisor in grad school, every MacBook that he... Well, he's got a stack of them in his house. Every <laughs> MacBook that he's ever had. Oh, my god! And by the time he changes and updates to a new one, the old one has, like, dents, scratches, scars. I mean, this thing looks like it was in a foxhole. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess that's a question for you. Like, how long is this going to last? Uh... Well, the first iMac that I bought in 2007 is still being used by my wife today. Seriously? I'm not going to say it's in great shape. Uh, yeah. And I've had to do some work on it, but it's still running. My first Apple laptop, uh, the white plastic Mac, lasted three and a half or four years. Okay. My next laptop after that, which was the first aluminum MacBook Pro, had a thermal failure on the logic board within three oh, years. Yeah, that's right. And died. Mm -hmm. The MacBook Air I bought after that is still going. Uh, okay. I bought it. It was not powerful enough in the end. I mean, it got me through the rest of grad school on a budget. Right, yeah. And then I sold it to a coworker whose kids now use it for gaming. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, yeah, so I would say probably four to five years is a pretty... A lot of my coworkers have five-year-old MacBook Pros that are about ready to be recycled. See, and for me, I carried that Lenovo around everywhere, and it, like, it didn't survive. It was only three years and the hinges, like, I went to shut it one day, and all of this plastic sprayed everywhere, and there was this huge pop, and just the hinges and, like, the whole screen came apart with, like, no warning. Like, it wasn't loose or anything, and so I know it's from getting hit like that. So I guess that's that's a plus then. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the things I missed most about migrating to the Windows world is tough laptops. Yeah, that's real, because I got this big, because I didn't, I mean, I did buy it, um, but I wound up with the bigger iMac. Hell, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> You've got a MacBook Pro. Yep, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how my transition is going. Um, and I kind of got mad, because it's got these speakers on the side, and it's real big, and I was like, you know, maybe I shouldn't have got this to carry around. Maybe I should have got one of the smaller ones. But then I open it up, and I'm like, no, you're beautiful. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So one more question that is more on the technical side, too, but this is also transitioning to what you think. I open up this Mac. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of bloatware-type stuff on it. Oh, no, not at all. Whereas when you open up that Windows machine, there's just all this junk you know, Xbox Live and all these games and all this stuff that you have to, like, go through. And I feel like it took me a long time to set that up. And then when I update Windows, it just comes right back. And that makes me real angry. I agree. Okay. Uh, I, I don't like all that garbage in the start menu. Yeah. Hence, mm -hmm. I press the Windows key on the keyboard and start typing the name of whatever program I want to launch, just like you would in Finder. Mm -hmm. And then hit Enter. I never actually click through the start menu ever. Oh, okay. Okay. Hmm. That'll solve it then. Uh, I mean, well, it doesn't really solve. It. I mean, it's still there. It's just right. But I don't see it. The, yeah, <laughs> just that that part of it. But I mean, how much does that affect how the machine runs versus a Mac? I, I'm sure it does. Okay. Degrade performance somewhat. Mm -hmm. uh, now we'll so Macs. Yes, they're not. They don't have bloatware. 
or anything like like the app store is not running in the background to tell you about the latest PS4 right. game or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So that's good. Mm-hmm. My biggest problem with the new MacBook Pros like what I have is in an effort to make them thin and light and beautiful, the thermal management is garbage. Gotcha. This is what killed my 2012 MacBook Pro. Right. Was it got too hot and failed. Gotcha. So because of that, they now, if your computer starts getting too hot, they will turn down the clock speed on the chip. Oh, wow. It keeps the overheating problem from happening. But... (laughs) But your performance degrades if you're really using it. So, like, it's a great laptop until you actually put a heavy load on it. See, and that's really interesting because obviously you're a very hardworking person, but you can't be the only person that works that hard using the Macs. Oh, uh, that's that's why I highly recommend listening to that back to work episode because they okay. have this entire rant, uh, which I was like, yes, yes, this is what I could say <laughs> if I were more articulate. Uh, <laughs> of you know, I. I don't need, I'm carrying around a Lenovo ThinkPad right now that is probably twice as thick as the Mac. It's larger. It's heavier by far. I mean, the power brick weighs three times as much as the Mac <laughs> power brick. Um, and I'm willing to do that for the performance. So if Apple would just add, I don't know, three millimeters of thickness and give me back all my ports. Yeah. I would be very happy. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I only have four USB-C ports, I just refuse. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I'm still I'm still back in the... I'm real sad there are no CD-ROMs anymore. But <laughs> 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I just redid my setup here at the house where I bought a docking station for my ThinkPad. Right. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So with the Mac, when I go to work, I plug in one USB-C cable, and that lights up all of my monitors, my keyboard, my mouse, my webcam, all that. So just one cable, and it's effectively docked. Okay. That's pretty nice. I still have to plug in a you know cable with my, my meat hands, but <laughs> um, I can take this ThinkPad, and it just snaps into this dock, okay. and there's a big, huge connector on the bottom. Now, on the back of that dock, I've got Ethernet, I've got monitor output, I've got USBs, a bunch of them, uh, all kinds of stuff. So now I go down there, I snap the computer in the dock, my monitors come up, my keyboard comes up, my label printer connects, all that stuff. I do my work, and when I'm done, I whack the eject button on the side, the computer pops out, and I shove it in my bag. Yeah, that is nice. You never know when you need to get to the brewery down the road ASAP. Oh, yeah. Um, that's a, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I have a little dock thing at work, but it plugs in with a USB, but you're right. Like everything I have is plugged into that. So I don't have to do anything. So that is nice. Well, and there is like, you know, the, the dock they make the USB C dock that I use at work, it does its job. It's a little flaky sometimes. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was like 500 bucks. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. So the other one I'm guessing was more than that. And the ThinkPad one was less. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. see, and that's the other problem with Apple stuff. Like, how much am I paying for this to be pretty? And how much is that worth to me? Exactly. And, you know, when we went to teach this workshop, I carried around a bag of dongles (laughs) to be able to attach to whatever projection system they might have. And each of those dongles is $50. Right. It's like, this is my little bag of you know, half a dozen dongles that are $50 each. Hey, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's much different for Windows machines. Well. Really? I've I've had to buy more expensive dongles for my Windows machine to connect all these projectors because the other ones don't last that long. Oh, see, my ThinkPad has HDMI and VGA all on it. Oh, no. See, oh, well, my little Dell XPS uh, 13 does not have anything. It only has two uh, USB-C ports. That's it. Yeah, yeah. so it's kind of like the new Mac that I've got. Correct, yeah. Yeah. Because I thought, this is terrible. And it was for a little while. Um, but I also have my bag of dongles, so. 
<laughs> right, versus just having all the ports on the computer. It's so much nicer. Uh, right, exactly. Which this little Dell, and like I said, I don't think this is a Windows issue, but it's ever since I bought it, it does really strange stuff. Like whenever I try to go to Explorer, it waits like 30 seconds. No kidding. 30 seconds. I've counted it before it opens. Always. Wow. And it's only the Explorer tab. And uh, one of our IT guys was looking at that and he goes, oh man, I would have sent this thing back. And of course it was too late for me to send it back. And right. it doesn't start up sometimes. It just, it turns on. Like you can see the power light is illuminated, but nothing happens. <laughs> I, I've had very poor luck with Dell machines. Yeah, and I had too. And I said, I'll never do this again. And then I got real excited about the XPS and some people in the Slack chat room were also real excited. <laughs> And yeah. so I said, yay, go, I'm going to do it. And I'm real angry. I'll never buy a Dell again. But this might be between the Lenovo that I annihilated and that Dell might be the end of Windows for me. It's, it's fascinating. And I, I will point out to our listeners that we are strange cases <laughs> in the worlds of computing needs. Most normal people don't have to plug into a projector every day. That is true. Or yes. most normal people don't need a thousand different ports because they're writing firmware to a bunch of different devices. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So for most use cases, the little MacBook, adorable as it's been termed. <laughs> um, Did that hurt you to say? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with its, you know, plain old uh, couple USB-C ports, if you write Word documents, you do email, you do typical computer stuff, it's fine. In fact, you might even be fine with an iPad Pro. Yeah, which that blows my mind too. That's real weird. <laughs> but we're strange use cases. Yeah, that's that's probably that's probably true. But I hadn't really. I'm I'm actually still surprised, and I'm thinking about it as I'm touching the MacBook right now. Is that I hadn't thought about the robustness of the outside of this Mac because I got it. I had a sticky key, and I thought God, the whole thing's ruined, right? There's not a lot of travel on these little bitty keys on here. Right. I have a mechanical keyboard that I plug my my little Dell into, so I like the clickety clack. And I was like, this whole thing's ruined. This is a brand new thing. It's ruined. I'm like, nope. What would John do? John would look at a YouTube video. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. And I popped my little key off and I cleaned it up and it's just fine. It's perfect. Yep. And so then I was like, yes, now I'm, I'm slowly moving to all in on it. And I don't know what I'd be missing because I'm so worried about it because now you're going to Windows. So it seems like I'm missing something. I well, I think me going to Windows is part of the fact that I'm doing more engineering type work with that okay. machine. Okay. So I'm running LabVIEW, which doesn't really run well on anything but Windows. Okay. Mm -hmm. And also, I can't bring myself to pay that much for a Mac laptop that's non-upgradable. Right. Uh, the new laptops, everything is soldered. So the hard drive is soldered to the board. It's fixed when you get it. The RAM is soldered to the board. So there's no upgrading. And in fact, on the newest generation, uh, they get bricked if anybody but Apple replaces <gasps> components. Ooh. Like if you get Joe's Repair Shop at the mall to change the keyboard out, they're going to brick your computer wow. until you take it into an Apple store. See, and that makes me angry. So it makes me, it's like I have unrequited love for this machine. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that's crap, you know? But... Also, it's probably a good business model for them. And I mean, I've had good luck with anytime I have had problems with things made by Apple and they've been under the Apple Care warranty period. Mm -hmm. Like my keyboard on my iPad Pro quit. I walked into the store. I said, this doesn't work. He handed me another one, scanned my old one, scanned the new one and said, have a nice day. Ah, that's I, nice. I challenge you to get that level of service from any other <laughs> manufacturer. Yeah. I did go into a Windows store because my uh, pen on my uh, Surface quit, and he gave me his own pen because <laughs> it was such an old pen. <laughs> yeah, so that did happen. But um, but that's that's also like you know Windows Surface, and I hate it that I'm a person that is susceptible to marketing because I'm very anti-marketing, but I am, and 
I'm like, oh, Windows Surface. I've got one of these. It's awesome. So you have one too. What is it awesome? <laughs> I mean, I, I like the Surface. Mine does not have enough horsepower for what I need to do, so I'm selling it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's got four gigs of RAM and like LabVIEW gets real laggy. Oh, okay. And I just don't need it. I have my big laptop now and an iPad. Right. So. Right. Okay. Uh, so what have you thought jumping back and forth or are you kind of exclusively Mac at work now and exclusively Windows at home? Pretty much that. Okay. Um, I actually took my 2012 iMac off my desk in my workshop Wow. And replaced it with a docking station for my Windows laptop. Poor little guy. So it's either going to move upstairs to be the podcast computer, or I'm going to give it to my wife, and the 2007 iMac is going to go away. Mm -hmm. Probably that one. She got a Dell, too, and was real angry about it, right? Yeah, she got a Dell laptop, and it has never been good. Yeah. I will say, Dell has a lot of support. It's not very useful, but there are a lot of them. <laughs> well, even buying it was a terrible experience. Like they canceled right. the order no more than or no fewer than three times. Yeah, it was ridiculous, ridiculous. Uh, so, I mean, it yeah. makes you hate Windows. And I, one of my also, you know, when we look at our PMAG software, that's all Windows based. But with you guys working on it, and then also there are people who are moving away from it. There's a web app out there now and you know there's this pmag pie whatever you think about that but that's out right. there so the exclusive dependency on windows for paleomagnetic work is going away too so well and even the software we wrote to control your magnetometer yep so it's running on ubuntu mm -hmm. linux but mm -hmm. we could actually compile that to run on windows to run on mac right so whatever doesn't matter. Yeah. so cross-platform is becoming much more of a thing honestly I can't think, and one of my coworkers that recently made this switch as well, I can't think of anything other than like messaging from my phone that I've wanted to do on my Windows machine that I've been like, nope, I need to go do this on my Mac. Wow. Okay. I'm not going to say the workflow is the same. The workflow is different. It's not better. It's not worse. It's different. Right. Right. Uh, the terminal program not being directly connected to linux necessarily is mm -hmm. strange for me okay yeah and switching back and forth between the ubuntu subsystem and the windows powershell like remembering dir versus ls depending on which <laughs> one i'm in <laughs> nice is slightly annoying i will say i really like powershell scripting uh i am thoroughly impressed by the simplicity and power of powershell scripts really yes hmm. okay um I like the fact that my, and this is about the machine, not the operating system, but I like the fact that it's thick and it's got big, huge fans in it. And when I'm doing something <laughs> that starts taxing it, the fans kick up and the machine stays cool. Gotcha. Like, I'm, I'm not worried about thermal failure. I like the fact that it's got two hard drive bays. Actually, it's got three hard drive bays. Do you like what it does to your shoulder carrying that monster around? <laughs> Not particularly. <laughs> it does make me think more about, I'm working remotely today from a coffee shop, let's say. Mm -hmm. What am I doing? Do I need a laptop or can I do all this with my iPad? Right. Okay. Um, I also, I hate the trackpad on it. I hate it. <laughs> what does it look like? What is the ThinkPad trackpad? It's the standard, you know, it's below the keyboard, three buttons. It is three buttons, which I like, because some antiquated geophysics software still uses the middle mouse button. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, like, there's a market for USB three button mice in geophysics. That's real funny. <laughs> uh, so it has that, and it's got the little pointer thing between uh, the center of home row. Mm -hmm. The little red nubbin that you yeah. can... I don't mind that. I don't use it much. Mm -hmm. But I carry a trackball. Okay. Like with my Mac, 
I don't love use. I I don't like trackpads anyway. Period. Wow. I would rather have a mouse than a trackpad any day. Uh, okay. The Mac trackpad does not make me angry. Sometimes I carry an external mouse. Sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. The, the Lenovo trackpad makes me slightly angry. <laughs> You'd be real angry because I have a like a large Lenovo trackpad that I use at my desk setup. I, mean, but, I I have an external trackpad that I use when I'm an illustrator because it's great for zooming and panning. Mm-hmm, yes. But to actually use it as a pointing device, like editing text, it drives me nuts. It is it is very hard to do that with. Um, I had some when I was writing my thesis. I had like some carpal tunnel-ish type stuff, and that's what the doctor said was to buy this trackpad to get rid of the mouse. And so I huh. did, but yeah, I think I might go back just because I'm not, you know, cranking it out eight hours a day doing text editing now. So, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a programmer. That's what I do. That's true. <laughs> but I also don't take my keys or my hands off the keyboard that much. Yeah. No, there you go. No, and that's, I guess that's what I was doing. I don't know if it was making the figures or what. It was very strange. Um but I, that was her answer to it. And it seemed to help while I was finishing up my dissertation. So whatever it hmm. was, it's gone now. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so how do you think... So it's weird that we're both blended, kind of. Right. <laughs> you know? Like how much more frequent do you think that's going to become? I think operating system differences are going to mostly dissolve... Okay. I mean, they already are somewhat. Like, right. As you said, web apps and more cross-platform apps anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, it's going to come down to a matter of personal preference. Like, do you drive a Ford, Chevy, Toyota, or Dodge pickup? Yeah. So I've, I've thought a lot about this with, and I had to think about it several years ago, when we bought 36 iPads for our active learning classrooms because I want to use them everyone's doing digital mapping in the field that is what if you become a mapper that's what most state geologists and usgs geologists use in the field as well and i thought oh what am i gonna do (laughs) because there's you know there are things for both that aren't really cross-platform and i got real nervous and it was a real stressful week and i finally said just buy the ipads because i felt like the university was going more towards Apple stuff, so I wanted to have support for them. Um, and so I bought them, even though the USGS geologist that I work with uses Android stuff for mapping. And I thought, how am I going to do this? And you know what? I'm just going to use my Android mapping when I go out, and I can still teach the students the iPad stuff because I think it is a personal preference thing that's surmountable. I feel like it used to not be surmountable. Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, you used to have to worry intensely about what your processor architecture was. Right. Uh, Exactly. And I just, I don't feel like that's, that's probably not, not the issue that it was before. Cause I I feel like most people are It is still an issue underlying, but it's something that, you know, the people that sit in a dark cubicle and have some pizza thrown over the top, (laughs) are addressing for you hot pockets john hot pockets (laughs) right exactly it's not the uh it's not the user end insurmountability like it was before i remember (laughs) back in the day in meteorology we had what we called the map room right which was where all the computers were because we didn't carry around laptops because they weren't really a thing and so you went to the map room and they were all Macs. and i just remember being so discouraged because I didn't understand how to use those little <laughs> candy colored, you know, Macs. And um, yeah, it's a lot different now because I feel like even getting this Mac, while it was a little bit of a learning curve, it was not like the worst thing in the world, right? And like every kid knows how to use a phone, whether it's an Android or not, like <laughs> they know how to work it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I think it's really coming down to being like buying a different brand of car. Right. Each has advantages and disadvantages, but in the end, they all go down the road. Some will last longer than others because that's how statistics work. (laughs) Yeah. You still know how to drive a car. Yeah. Yeah. 
I really think that's kind of where we're going. The fact that right now Windows suits what I do better. I'm also very curious to see. So, you know, Apple a long time ago removed the word computer out of their name. They're no longer the Apple computer company. Right. Um, I think once you're able to do iOS app development on an iPad, like once you can run Xcode on an iPad, mm-hmm. I really think they're going to exit the computer market. Uh, Why would you tell me this? I just bought this thing. <laughs> now, I think that is a minimum of five to ten years. You really think they are? You think every sort of like developmental thing that everybody does, creativity-wise and all that jazz, all that's going to be run off an iPad? Yep. <sighs> Weird. It's also where they make their money. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the power users like me that have been screaming about the lack of ports and just give me a thicker machine with more battery and that kind of thing. They don't care. We are maybe 1% of their consumer base, and I guarantee you less than 1% of their income. Yeah, that's true. There's no reason for them to cater to that group (laughs) other than we're very loud. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you do if you like a computer? You just plug your iPad into a a port that has a regular old keyboard and all that? I mean, you could. I I don't think that's how people are going to be interacting with that stuff in five or ten years. So No, I like clickety-clacking keyboards. <laughs> this is not okay. Yeah, in five or ten years, we're going to be the old people. Ugh. We are the old people. <laughs> so. <laughs> Ugh. Well, okay, so this leads me into all your problems at your workshop this week. Was that related to Mac problems, or was it beyond that? Um, it was beyond that. There was okay. a weird installation issue with Conda on Windows oh, really? and Notebooks. I don't know how it got released in such a broken state. Uh, it was rather bizarre. I mean, luckily... I had seen the issue on my laptop, so when every student in the class encountered it simultaneously, because this class was actually majority Windows. I think we had four out of 28 that were Mac. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe a little more than that, but it was probably two-thirds or greater Windows. Uh, When everybody had the same issue at once, it's like, oh, we (laughs) we have an install problem. So there was that. Uh, which a little bit of Googling and we could solve. Okay. That was one of the things that one of the students commented on. They're like, it was really helpful for us to see that people that do this full time, when they see an error message, they don't know, go Google it and like click the stack overflow link. Okay. It's like, yep, that's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So there was that. Um, Then once we got everybody set up, we were running and your know, notebooks were going great and da, 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 we are start plotting model data on maps and we go to use a command called p color mesh which draws uh, colored polygons on a map okay so th- think like radar data okay and instantly every single red sticky note in the room went up at once <laughs> Which, if you're not familiar with software carpentry, we've talked about it a little bit, but you've got red and green sticky notes, and you put your red sticky note on the back of your laptop if you have a problem. And so my coworker ran this cell, which worked on his machine, and then every single red sticky note went up at once, and we're like, oh. Uh, <laughs> so That's awesome. What happened is Matplotlib did a 3.0 release, which... A major version change like that means there will be things that are not backwards compatible. Mm-hmm. Cardify, which does the mapping, which depends on Matplotlib, has not released in a while. And some things in Matplotlib 3, or some things in Matplotlib 2, got deleted out of Matplotlib 3. They had been saying, these are deprecated, we're going to remove them for a while. Mm-hmm. Cardify was still depending on those or checking for them. Ah. So we had a breakage. Gotcha. Uh, it was not something that we had time to find necessarily with our CI suite because this breakage happened, you know, within a couple days of the workshop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
we ended up having to teach everybody, okay, now we're going to roll back your matplotlib to version two. Oh. <laughs> which this happened during the middle of day two. So they're a day and a half into already a fire hose of information. Oh. And we're like, okay, we need to derail and go do this special thing. You know, it's probably a good thing to see happen, though, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I mean, nobody was upset about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt really bad, though, because they're already struggling to try to learn stuff, and then yeah. they just hit this wall. Right, yeah. That without more knowledge, they have no way of understanding what that wall was, why they hit it, and what the fix was. Right. Other than in the highest level of... These two versions don't play well together, and we need to roll back one. Right. Yeah. Somebody asked, can you explain why they don't play well together? It's like, <laughs> this is beyond yes, the scope of this course. But <laughs> uh, it's not going to make any sense to you right now. Right. Yeah, exactly. I find that uh, just hearing the words helps, though, because eventually that person may be like, oh, yeah, you know? So. So there was that. There was the fact that. Every university we visited has had despicably slow guest Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's not surprising at all to me. To the point where we are now saying, I'm making videos of how to install the software on every operating system. (laughs) And it's going to be homework before the class starts. Because it took an hour for everybody to download the packages. Ugh, that's terrible. That is absolutely terrible. You're correct. So that was a problem. There were lots of logistical problems, including my flight luck returned. I ended up getting home about three in the morning uh, (laughs) while getting sleeted on. It was a great evening. That's exciting. (laughs) Look, you moved to Colorado. This is your fault. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's interesting, though. Um, Not that they appreciate it. You know, it's nice to see that when you're sitting there struggling trying to use the software that you don't know how to use, it's nice to see that the experts still struggle as well. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that we did, because we got our schedule got behind because of the install issues and everything right, else, yeah. um, I did something on the fly that students said, you should have done this at the beginning of the course. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Which was, I said, okay, we have three modules on the schedule that we're going to do. I'm going to tell you right now, we're not going to get three done. We might get two done. So I explained what was in each of them, and I said, we need to vote and prioritize these. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. They really liked that. That is interesting, because if you did it in the first place, and then you didn't get to the third one, but they got extra work with one and two, yeah, I could totally see that. So, And we've talked about before having an a la carte menu of, like, here are the 20 modules that we can teach. Pick yeah. 10. Yep. I so I think that's going to become agree. a thing. I think it should. That would be great. That would be uh, really good. Because then you can also go to another one because, like, they're offering Python twice. And I thought, you know, maybe I should go again just to hear it again. Because I feel like the second time I teach things or read things, just like anyone, you know, I'm going to get it more. But that'd be interesting if I chose to go again and then I wind up you know, learning something different just because of the class makeup. Now, the hard part there is there are some currently interdependencies like, oh, well, before you can, before we can teach you how to do plotting model data on a map, we have to teach you how to make a map first. Right. Yeah. So there are some things we're going to have to be like, okay, these are the five core things. Like you have to to get these, but then you get to pick the other five. Right. Yeah. So electives, if you will. Yes, exactly. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was an interesting one that came out of the workshop. Doing the installation before is homework with a 30-minute help period before the workshop started was one. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we we're going to have to... Oh, good. We actually had that. That was our homework. Yeah, so, I mean, we're not a software carpentry workshop, so we don't follow the exact same guidelines. I'm, su- I'm surprised you guys didn't do that anyway, though. That's interesting. Before, it was easier and also we uh, depended on less things, so the install oh, okay. is shorter. Gotcha. Um, okay. But I think we're going to go that way. 
the the sticky note system works really well. You know, we get feedback at yeah. the end of the day. You write a thing you liked about the workshop on the green one, a thing you didn't like on the red one. Yeah. And since we had 20-something people, we had, you know, 50 notes a day for two days. So I had 100 sticky notes to type into a Google Doc yesterday. That's real nice, though. Um, and themes come out. Now, mm-hmm. the one theme that we can't do anything about is every single workshop, we get some people on the green sticky notes that say the pace was perfect and some people on the red sticky notes that say the pace was too fast. You got to do 80%, man. I, I would say as long as those are about a 50-50 balance or maybe more than 50 leaning towards the pace was perfect. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but no, so it was an interesting workshop. Even though things went wrong... People still got a lot out of it. It was still a very successful workshop. Uh, maybe the folks that were there got a little bit more than the people who were at workshops that went smoothly. Yeah. Because they didn't learn troubleshooting as well as these folks did. Right, exactly. I'm okay with that. Uh, but it was interesting. And it was interesting the makeup of the uh, the machine types that people were using. There were several surfaces in the group. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And there were a couple people that were trying to use remote machines. There were a couple people that already had Conda installed because they'd wanted to play with it at some point. See, this is, yeah, this is what I suspected, that this blending thing or that the actual mechanism isn't going to matter to the user as much as it used to. Yeah, so we're getting there. There are still weird issues. Like one person had Conda installed but forgot that they had done it. And mm-hmm. so then they installed Miniconda oh. on top of ah. that, following our instructions, and things broke. Gotcha. So <laughs> it was it was one of the things where a new user would have no idea. Oh yeah, I just need to go into my Bash profile and edit my path. Gotcha. But having seen that before, it was like, okay, go into your Bash profile. Uh, uh, we've tried to be conscious about and. I was very good about this until we started encountering all the problems Mm -hmm. of having the student type things or if they were uncomfortable doing it, saying, may I touch your laptop? Ah, okay. Instead of just walking up to somebody's computer and starting pounding commands into it. Like, (laughs) that is a really fast way to get punched in the face (laughs) if you do that on my machine. And these people probably didn't care, but that is very interesting, though, you know? <laughs> uh, because for all they know, I'm putting a keylogger on. Right, yeah, man. Creeper. <laughs> so that's where I, I've tried to get very good about that. Uh, and the other phrasing that uh, somebody on Twitter had pointed this out of don't say, do you have any questions? But okay. instead say, what questions do you have for me? Correct. Yes. That's a good, that's a good point in teaching in general though, because I'd get really tired of, and I understand the sentiment, but it's real hard to get over the whole, I don't even know what question to ask. Right. Yeah. And I I did sort of an AB test uh, because I was curious uh how well this worked. So several times during the last workshop, I very specifically was saying, what questions do you have for me? Uh, then during this workshop, I sort of 50, 50, do you have any questions? Okay. What questions do you have for me? Do you have any questions? Maybe half the time somebody would have a question. What question do you have for me? There's always at least one. Okay. Gotcha. That's a good, I'm going to, I'm going to employ this tomorrow. Yeah. I, it, it worked. Uh, I don't know how to work in a room, room of undergraduates that are there for a mandatory class. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you just kept saying it enough, though, maybe eventually that would sink in that it's a little bit different. You know what I mean? And it is more friendly because, honestly, if you don't have questions, I am probably teaching so poorly that you're not trying to that you're not internalizing the material properly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Because there has never once been the case of I teach something so well that nobody has any questions because everybody understands it. Right. Yeah. And that will never be the case. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no matter how hard you try. <laughs> so anyway, well, 
that we should probably wrap up before this goes on too much longer. But that's the uh, status yeah. of our yeah. our operating system journeys. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to rethink everything because you said that Apple's not even going to make computers, so why bother now? Oh uh, well, <laughs> to to throw a further wrench into things that we'll have to talk about somewhat in the future. Uh, as we were speaking, I watched the USPS deliver a network attached storage device to the front door of my house. Uh, because uh, I am going away from Dropbox and hosting my own network attached storage. What? What? Okay. Wow. I don't even know how to how to feel about this, John. I mean, I'm still going to be doing the three, two, one rule. You know, three copies of your data, two different media, one of them offsite, <laughs> and it's going to cost significantly more to start this process up. But the three, two, one rule. Now I'm going to have, you know, many terabytes of data. Wow. Okay. So that's an experiment I'm starting uh, in a few months. We'll check in and see how that goes. Yeah, no kidding. Well, am I still supposed to upload my stuff to Dropbox or what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm still going to have a Dropbox account. I just don't want to pay for the terabyte every year like I am currently. Right, yeah. Yeah, that is true. Especially hmm. when I've got a raid with three terabytes of stuff that's, that's not sitting, in Dropbox. That's sitting there not on Dropbox. Yep, that's true. All righty. Interesting. We will definitely check back on that. And we should probably have another shaming me into backing up show soon, too, for people who haven't listened from the beginning. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We will definitely have a backing up show. Yeah, I know. I get questions about that. So um, I imagine you do too. So, Yes. Well, in that case, I think we should move on to everybody's favorite segment of the show. <laughs> Fun Paper Friday. Yay. <laughs> All righty. So I found this one. You found the, this one. Yeah, I, I decided to revisit good old BMJ. Um, it had been a while since we had delved into their Christmas issue, I thought. So <laughs> it was time to go back. And that's exactly what we did. So this is the survival time of chocolates on hospital wards, covert <laughs> observational study by Gajakrandkar et al. <laughs> and I butchered that name. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's why I didn't say anything. That's why I just said, there it is. <laughs> oh, Gajendra Gradkar, maybe. Mm. Gajendra Gradkar at all, maybe? No, not Grad. Gadkar. Gajendra Gadkar. Gajendra Gadkar. And that's all our time. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so this is a paper about if you put a box of chocolates out, what happens? Uh, they get eaten. <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> so I love this. I was talking to my husband about this last night because it's like, I don't understand statistics. Like, I feel like I should, despite having a class, that doesn't mean anything sometimes. And you can take anything and make a statistical study of it. And I love that. I think it's great. It's a great way to learn stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so this is exactly what happened is they looked at four wards at three different hospitals uh, in the UK. And I guess... It just like happens in any workplace around Christmas time, you know, you get a lot of gifts of food that get set out for everybody to eat. And so what they did was they covertly placed um, two boxes, two different types, one from Nestle and one from Cadbury, I think, um, of chocolates, individually wrapped chocolates. And they wanted to see like what the mean residence time of this chocolate was. Yeah, so Quality Street was the brand name of the Nestle, and Rose was the brand name of the Cadbury. Mm -hmm. Which I don't know either of those, but I do know I love Cadbury. But everybody else does, too, apparently. That was the first choice of most That was the first choice of the nursing and support staff. The doctors chose Nestle, but not statistically significantly so. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Um, So basically the results, because again, we cannot stress this enough. I'm speaking for both of us. The abstracts of the BMJ articles are amazing. Um, The results, the median survival time of chocolate was 51 minutes. That's pretty low. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I think they said, what, there was like 200 of these things in the box or something like that. 
Um, uh, I believe that was the total in the Oh, that was the total. The That's right. Okay, so 50-something in the box. Um, and so what I thought was real interesting that they hinted on, too, is that the chocolate consumption model was nonlinear. So as soon as you open it, a lot of it gets eaten, and that decays over time, um, yeah, logarithmically. So it's exponential. Sorry, that's the word I meant. <laughs> I, well, exponent log. Same thing. Sort tomato, of. tomato. Um, yep. <laughs> so the, I, this makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. You put the chocolates out. Everybody's like, ooh, chocolate. Uh, yeah. I better get it while it's still here. <laughs> yeah. And so everybody goes and gets a piece. And then, well, a few people go back. <laughs> and that sort of decreases as how many people go back. Also, nobody wants to take the last couple. Yeah. Like I've watched it work an alarming amount of the time. The last chocolate or whatever it is and something somebody brings sit there forever because nobody yeah. wants to be that person that took the last one. Yes, there are so many studies about this, and I find this so interesting. <laughs> now, they did not get to that. They only observed for between two and four hours. <laughs> I love this. They said that once the observers left the ward, we deemed any leftover chocolates to be lost to follow up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my favorite phrase in the whole in the whole paper. <laughs> and the observers were doctors, so the doctors dropped the chocolates off at the, the nurse's desk or the reception desk and then basically took a two to four hour coffee break and filled out a <laughs> form that was pre-made for them of every time somebody took a chocolate. It was anonymized. So what, what what's their position? Which kind of chocolate did they take and what was the time? I, I love this. There are eight co-authors on this paper. So like eight doctors came up with this and somebody wrote up an Excel sheet <laughs> to like tick this off yep <laughs> and it was healthcare assistant nurse and doctor were the three different um categories and they said that the highest percentage of chocolates consumed were consumed by the healthcare assistants and the nurses both at 28 percent, followed by doctors at 15 percent. but they also acknowledged that you know there are a lot more healthcare assistants and nurses than there are doctors true so there's that <laughs> uh so this was Oh, they also deployed them at 10 a.m., uh, so about the time people are getting munchy. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> and they said that there was probably no good time of year to do a study on chocolates because <laughs> yeah. there's increased availability around Christmas or around Easter. Uh, uh, th during this study, uh, there was some holiday where some folks weren't eating chocolate, I believe. Yeah, Ramadan. Is yeah, it was Ramadan. Thing. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, so they said there's probably not a great time of year to do this. It's totally unbiased. So we just did it. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I mean, are, these are medical medical um, statistical things, right? Survival half-life. <laughs> yep. And, I love it. <laughs> uh, there was, uh, let's see... There was another factor for which type of chocolate was being preferred. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's uh, that right. They, that they calculated here. That was real funny. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I was surprised. I mean, the model, exponential model fits this with an R squared of like 0.84. Yeah. Yeah. It's real good. <laughs> um, it's, it's surprising. So. I was actually a little bit surprised that the survival half-life, so the time taken for 50% of them to be eaten was... 99 minutes yeah oh the hazard ratio that's what i was looking there for. you go yeah uh -huh. so the, the hazard ratio is how much more likely is one to get eaten over the other how much more hazard. likely are you to get one disease than the other hazard ratio for survival of roses versus quality street <laughs> 0. 0.7 oh i love it um also it said they looked at how long it took for them to get open and i thought that was really funny too yeah which was like minutes 12 minutes, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I want to do a similar study. I do not have a large enough sample size at work to do this, but mm -hmm. with donuts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because there can be no flatware in the break room kitchen. And if I bring donuts into work, a knife appears out of thin air <laughs> 
and people have cut them up into little tiny slices. Who slices donuts? Uh, after asking, one coworker said it's because they wanted to try a little of all of them. Oh. So they okay. would slice them up. One person said, I just want, you know, a quarter of a donut. Hmm. Anytime I do that, okay, I slice the donut into four pieces. That just means I have to get up and make four trips to the box. Exactly. So. <laughs> Don't kid yourself, man. <laughs> Don't kid yourself. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so that's the, that's the follow-on study I would like to see, is now that we know yeah, what the behavior true. of chocolates is, what happens with foods that can be cut and portioned? Yeah, that is a real good call. Yeah, so just put a pan of brownies that are uncut out there and see Ooh. the yeah the time it takes for a knife to appear. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Either that's that or there's great. just a big hole in the center where somebody... <laughs> that's true. <laughs> exactly. Well, so if you have done a study on chocolates, donuts, or other workplace media in your break room, we would love to hear what your results are. Shannon, how can they get a hold of us? Yeah, you can send us those, please, with your hazard ratios and other statistical methods. Uh, show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Shannon Doolin. John is at geo underscore Lehman. Together we are at don'tpanicgeo. Um, you can always check out the uh, Slack chat room we have. We're in the software underground on the Don't Panic channel. And as always, thank you to our Patreon supporters. We appreciate that. And if you would like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash don'tpanicgeo. And we have a few new Patreon supporters in the last couple weeks. So thank you very thank much. You. <laughs> that helps uh, us send microphones out to guests and helps support the hosting costs of the show. Mm-hmm. And helps and us our bring stickers. you an awesome show. Yes. <laughs> so if you want stickers and don't have them, of course, always send us a message as well. Absolutely. And until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies.